Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I still can't wrap my mind around it, but good thing is we've got James Palmer to help me try to just make sense of this because it's still it's just crazy. We got Todd Davis, James Palmer, and uh, Zach Stevens rolling with you guys today. James, 70 points? Yeah, I'm no mathlete, so I'm not <laughs> sure if I can help you out with 70, but it's a lot of touchdowns. That was unreal, man. I mean, that was... Unbelievable. I also just realized I think I look really good today. I still have makeup on. <laughs> I realized I came here straight from TV at my house, doing in the in the basement studio at the Palmer house, and I still got the makeup on, guys. I'm, I'm feeling you pretty good. You are looking fresh. And, 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 the leg. Yeah. and now good. you're showing the shoes, oh, which you were nice uh, talking about before the show, which well, are Well, nice. Todd got a lot of shoe love at the beginning when we walked in. What do you got just on there, some, Just some Louboutin. Oh, just oh, some yeah, Louboutin. Just some. Um, yeah. <laughs> Max back down. Okay. Uh, yours are the most colorful. I'll give That's you that. That's true. I like yeah. them though. They're, they're spiffy. Yeah. Spiffy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What what word would you use? Slick. Sl- yeah. Spiffy and slick. Those are rad, close, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Nobody um, says rad anymore. James, you had this weekend off of work, didn't you? Yeah, I just watched games. It was wild. So I was I watched games, prepared for our show. Me and Steve Weich are under the NFL Report. Make sure you catch that on podcast. Uh, it's a podcast. And it's on YouTube. It's on the NFL Fast Channel. It's like a it's like Dion. It's got like it can do everything. Uh, back when he played, um, yeah. So I just watched games preparing for that show, and like so we led our show on Monday with the Dolphins putting up seventy, and we saved the Broncos portion for later in the show. You can go on YouTube and watch it. The show I posted it this morning. We had Leslie Frazier on the show, former defense coordinator of the Bills last year, been a head coach. He broke down his thoughts on on the defensive side later in the show and what he. I mean, him and Vance are good friends. What mm-hmm. he saw yeah. was lacking. We can get into that. But we mostly started with, like, this Dolphins offense is so balanced and so many weapons. To not have Jalen Waddle and do that to a defense Craziness. is unreal. I mean, the 70s nuts to me, Todd. But to be the first team ever to go over 350 rushing and over 350 passing in the yep. same game, when I say balance, that's like, that stat to me blows my mind. 
Absolutely. I feel like as defenses, like one of our game plans was to make them one dimensional, <laughs> either make them have to pass or make them have to run. And it literally felt like the Dolphins were able to do whatever they wanted to do mm -hmm. whenever they wanted to do it. And to be able to balance run and pass that well, I think is phenomenal for them as a team. It hurts to be a Denver Broncos fan and see it. <laughs> um, but the Miami Dolphins, man, hats off to them. They played a tremendous game. Was the only negative play for the Dolphins in that game, the fourth down when they went for it? and they weren't able to get it. I think every other play went for like at least two yards. Yeah, I have a terrible tweet that has not aged well that I sent out. <laughs> I, I think we know, all do, especially from this where. game. Trevor Simeon. Oh, it, no, I don't know where. Checking the text. <laughs> yeah, just making, go, yes, I'm going to the Jets. Um, that was like, oh, going forward on fourth and one, that deep in your own zone. Like, Russ has moved the ball well. Offenses look decent. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, maybe a little overconfident. No, that, was, <laughs> that, that tweet was just toast after I, after I put that out. Because, honestly, like, the offense didn't look bad in the first half. I mean, you get two touchdowns called back due to penalties. Yeah. Russ is moving the ball pretty well. Um, they looked all right. They looked coming out. Like, Todd, they came out of the huddle decently. They had yep. some time at line of scrimmage. I was like, okay, some things have been corrected that we talked about all week. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the wheels came off. But, yeah, that was maybe the only play. And I think that that play is a microcosm of, like, probably Mike McDaniel and Vic Fangio going, like, well, if we don't get it, we're fine. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. And, and it's crazy were. because the series after that, the offense literally went backwards. Yeah. They got the ball in field goal range and then ended up having to punt to end that series. Like, I don't even know how that happens. Like, how do you make so many bad decisions as far as play calling and – execution that you end up going backwards out of field goal range after a huge stop. I think that added on to the way that their offense was already moving the ball was kind of like the stake in the coffin that like kind of mm -hmm. ended all the momentum or all the energy that the team could have ended up coming with. I mean, it's just yeah. a microcosm of the Denver Broncos the past seven, eight years is just complimentary football being completely gone from mm -hmm. this team. The defense has been so good for so many years and the offense has been so bad. And now this year, it's flipped, and it's like the hey. offense is good enough to win, but the defense has given up 70. You're forgetting the third one. It was like last year, special teams is <laughs> <No> terrible. <way>. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. now the special teams has yeah. been like pretty good outside of the couple missed kicks that cost yeah. them the other game. But like Marvin <laughs> Mims and like other aspects of the special teams, we're back. Yeah. 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 No, off defense isn't there. But it's, I mean, it is wild. Even that, you add that in, special teams has been really good the past two yeah. weeks. But week one, it was terrible. Lost in the game. <laughs> that's always a like, Todd. I'm curious what that's like in the locker room when it's not a constant uh -huh. that's your problem, right? It's a different aspect of the team each and every week that's costing you a game. I mean, you are right. It's special teams that could have won them the game in, in week one. Week two, Russ fumbles at the half. They, you know, kind of fall apart as an offense a little bit. Obviously, the defense gives up the comeback, but the offense wasn't there in the second half. Then this defensive performance in the third. What's it like? when it's a different part of the team each and every week, is that more frustrating than what we've seen in Denver in the past where you guys defensively have played like crazy and it's consistently the offense for a season? Which one hurts worse? I think this hurts worse where okay. no matter where there's you turn. There's less answers. There's less answers <laughs> yeah. because us as a defense, as captains, we can go talk, talk to officer captains and the quarterback and kind of shake them and get them riled up like, hey, we need you guys. You know, we're holding our weight like – you know what I'm saying? But now that same conversation yeah. can't take place because we're not holding our weight and then you yep. guys can't come yell at us because you're not holding your weight. Everybody's just now looking around the locker room like nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows how to make the situation better. And everybody just feels stuck. So I feel like yeah. this is way worse. There's nothing to hang your hat on. Nothing.
that you know will come out and play well on Sunday. Yeah, because usually you know there's one thing that we do. Like, mm-hmm. either it's stopping the run or it's being able to run the ball. Even if we can't pass it, like, there's one thing we usually do yeah. well. And now there's nothing. <laughs> maybe maybe Marvin Mims is like yep, the thing we it. hang our hat he's on. He's it. And he, at least he plays two units. Maybe they can put him out there at cornerback <laughs> and uh, try to lock down that other side. So mm-hmm. that's really bad news. I guess the good news of this is when you look at the Bears, they are even more discompobulated when it comes to this complimentary football. Like, they don't do anything on offense. They don't do anything on defense. And to be fair, I don't know about their special teams. But, like... The Broncos are really struggling. The Bears even more so. There's zero identity. I don't think you could have a worse day in the NFL than the Bears had last when was it Wednesday? Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. Like yep. when it's not even like written by a single beat reporter that your left tackle went on IR, that that many other things happened in the same day. I didn't even you, realize that. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. Left tackle goes on IR, starting left tackle, you cut your backup quarterback. But, oh, yeah, your defensive coordinator resigns and your your quarterback goes nuclear in his press conference mm-hmm. to the point to where have you ever had a player, Todd, that does their press conference and then needs to speak again in the locker room to kind of be like, hey, I didn't mean this. Yeah, I really meant that he did two press conferences because of what happened. No, I've never seen that. And the thing about it is like. Once you say it, it's said. Yeah. And I, honestly, I felt like that's how he truly felt. So the second press conference was like, yeah, you're talking, but I, we've heard how you felt. A big time. And I see, I mean, Justin feels a Buckeye, so by the way, <laughs> huge weekend, guys. Huge oh, weekend man. over what the Irish. Game. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, I barely, cops came to the house. It was crazy. No, I'm just um, but, So you didn't go out there? I should have went to wow, South Bend. You should have been. Albert was going to get me a ticket, and I didn't. Dang. I couldn't afford it. Um, so... To me, I think what Fields is doing, Todd, is I need to look out for my career mm-hmm. and my future playing this position in the league. Like, this is a building that kills quarterbacks. I mean, for decades, mm-hmm. it has just slaughtered quarterbacks. If Caleb Williams is nervous about going to the Cardinals, yeesh, I'd be nervous <laughs> about going to the Bears, too. But the, what he's saying, and I and obviously Twitter plays a part in this, right? Like, as soon as he goes, well, it's coaching. Coaching sent like you didn't hear the rest of it. What he is saying is I'm getting a lot of information. I'm getting overloaded. I'm trying to think of everything they're telling me on Sunday, and that is just not working. I remember when that happened to Carson Wentz, which he has some issues with coachability. He's not really coachable. But in Philly, his last year, there was like Rich Cangarillo was there. uh, Marty Morningweg was there. They had like nine voices in his ear. And it just was like an overload for him mentally. And I think that's what Justin was really saying. Like, this is too much. Like, mm-hmm. you guys are putting too much on me. The other part I look at, Todd, is like when you have players where you need to figure out, I need to coach this guy differently because mm-hmm. what we're doing now isn't working. I think your approach as a coaching staff needs to change sometimes. And I think he was kind of alluding to that a little bit as well. I mean, but they're in a really terrible spot. I mean, really terrible spot. Um, you can't lose this game. Like, you literally cannot no. lose this game. Like, you can't lose this game. <laughs> I, mean, like, I don't know how else to put it. But, like, yeah, after giving up 70, if you lost to the Bears, yeah. I don't know what would happen, honestly. And losing by 50 That's points. Jobs, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I completely agree. But losing by 50 points, I know to a, a very good Miami team, mm-hmm. and they're only going to continue to get better, I think. 
losing by 50 points does open the door that you could lose this game. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you will. <laughs> I don't think they will. The Bears defense is terrible. Yeah, it is. Um, but And so is their offense. Yeah. I mean, they still have some playmakers. I mean, what if Justin Fields goes back to just being like, I'm going to run all over the place? And yeah. that's it. That's how it happens. Do you see the tackling? I mean, of course we all saw the tackling of this Broncos defense. If he runs for 150 yards and they commit to that, mm-hmm. they could absolutely win. So I, I teased Leslie Frazier being on our show yeah. and what he said. So I'll tell you what he said. And Todd, I want your opinion on like if this matches what you watched as a, as a defensive mind. Leslie was like, effort wasn't there. Tackling wasn't there. But the one that stood out to me the most was he's like, I'm not sure if this scheme fits this personnel. Mm-hmm. That's what stood out to him the most is going, I don't know if this scheme fits the personnel that VJ has. I, I definitely agree with that. And I can't say that any position, whether it was D-line, outside linebackers, um, secondary looks good in this scheme. Nothing really fits. Besides Pats or 10, week one and two, nothing fits what all the other guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the effort definitely wasn't there. You can see different plays. I mean, all over Twitter they had Kareem Jackson on that touchdown where he didn't necessarily go and dive for the dive to si- try and make the tackle. Like He didn't at, want another fine. It, <laughs> that, that's true, too. Three weeks in a row. I think at certain points within the game, like, we're down by 40. Definitely the effort's not going to be there, and yeah. it wasn't there. And then also the scheme. I talked about yesterday how I think Vic Fangio – I mean uh, – Vance Joseph has come in here and tried to blend last year's defense with this year's defense instead of just running his defense. Interesting. He's a very, very talented defensive coordinator, and he saw what Idro Evero did and had success and tried to put that in his defense when, in reality, he knows his defense best and should have came in here and just ran that. And I think you see a blend of those two defenses not working out. That's a really good point. So then my question to that is, who's – it doesn't have to be someone's fault, but when these two things don't align, is that just um, obviously you're not going to be able to over overhaul an entire defense in one offseason to get your coordinator the type of guys they need, but is that George Payton and Sean Payton not aligning with what Vance needs, or does Vance need to come in and adjust even more so and almost do the opposite of what you're saying, Todd, and is adjust even more to the personnel he has instead of having pieces that don't fit? I think he may, he may need to adjust to the personnel that he has because right now it looks like there's no talent on the defense. It looks like our office, our uh, D linemen, they don't get any push. Our linebackers can't tackle. Our secondary is missing when it comes to deep passes. We, we don't have any pressure on the quarterback. It looks like we have no talent in every single position. So maybe he needs to take a step back, evaluate the guys truly that we do have, and run a defense that's best for what's here because you can't overhaul the defense entirely. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get three new pieces, you know what I'm saying, to plug into this defense. But a lot of these guys are going to be here next year just because of you know, turnover as far as defense every year. You can't get 11 new players. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's a really good point. And you both mentioned effort, and that's something that I want to get into. After I tell you about our friends over at Bet365, use the code DNVR365 over at Bet365 to get $365 in bonus bets over at Bet365, where they don't do ordinary. They're all about the extraordinary and unordinary, where they have so many cool bets over there. Uh, you can get so many unique bets that you can't find anywhere else. Use that code DNVR365 over with our friends at Bet365 to get $365 in bonus bets when you sign up and place just a $1 bet. Must be 21 or older, physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, text 1-800-GAMBLER. And shout out to my friends over at Primo Hoagies. 
For my good friends at Primo Hoagies, football season is here, and big games mean big parties. Remember, it isn't just football, it's an experience. So don't settle for an average catering tray. Make it Primo. No matter what you have planned, there's no bigger crowd pleaser than Primo Hoagies, made with only the highest quality Thuman's meat and cheeses, sliced fresh to order, and served on Primo, Primo award-winning seed rolls, baked fresh every day. I definitely can go for a Primo Hoagie, and you need to check them out. They have locations both in Denver and Centennial. You can order your party trays in advance and online at primohoagies.com. It's not just a Hoagie, it's a Primo. I know James can go for a Primo right now. Dude. I love Primos. So <laughs> that reminds me of home like crazy. Ugh. Love Primo. Hoagies. But yeah, you have to show effort in order to earn a Primo. It takes primo. effort to take one of those down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you both mentioned effort, uh, and we talked about it yesterday. Like, yeah, at some point in a game when you're down 50, 40, when you're giving up 70, the effort naturally is mm -hmm. probably going to die off. And we had a press conference with Quinn Miners yesterday, and he was mentioning how his effort was always there, always there. He wanted to fight through the whistle, even at the end of the game. And he just kept bringing it up. And so I was like, well, I'm going to ask him, does he think the effort was there for everyone? And I asked him, and he said, yeah, effort was absolutely not an issue. And I didn't necessarily expect a third-year offensive lineman still trying to really find his full spot with this team to, to say that the effort wasn't there. But the reaction I got from fans was, they want the effort to not be there this past Sunday because they said if the effort was fully there, mm -hmm. then this is an unbelievably bad oh. football team. Uh, but I think it was pretty clear at times that the effort just wasn't there, and it's probably natural. Yeah. <laughs> it's natural. Like, in, if anybody's played sports and you're getting your ass kicked, like, sometimes you, you either do one, one of two things, right, Todd? Like, you get a bad penalty because mm -hmm. you're frustrated. That's why hockey's great, because you can beat the shit out of somebody, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, or, like, you, the effort just goes. I mean, I got my butt kicked by a zillion people in high school basketball in Philadelphia that went on to play in the NBA. We were down, like, 50, like, regularly. Yeah. <laughs> my effort was not great in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I was just launching threes, just trying to do whatever I wanted to do to pat my individual stats. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. But, like, it is, it is difficult. That, that game is an anomaly. Like, like, that just doesn't happen. Like, losing by 50 just doesn't really happen in the NFL. Um, it happens in college though. Like a lot of times when there's those games early in the season yep. where like the directional schools or the, uh, I mean like maybe Sac State or something Whoa. comes in. Like, <laughs> Shout out to Sac State Sac just State. beating Stanford. You know yeah, how we do. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. But like those games do happen, mm -hmm. and some guys do learn that at the college level to keep competing in those. But it was just, it was almost one of those where you just have to chalk up the game. Like that's the good thing. The difference between college football and pro football is like. Yeah. One game doesn't end your season, essentially. One loss is one loss. One loss it. is one loss, mm -hmm. and, and that's the way it is. That's like the silver lining to the NFL in that sense. But when you get embarrassed to that point and Rex Ryan's running his mouth like out there, by the way, that's really been annoying. I'm not going to lie. Oh, and it's only going to continue to happen. Yeah. It's it not going to stop. Week. It's going to happen this week. If they lose to the Bears, you think it's been bad right now. Yeah. Oh. Just wait till the Bears put up like 24 points. He's going to go crazy. Yeah, Rex is loving it. Rex is the only person liking <laughs> yes, this yeah. right now, I think. Yeah. Oof. How much better would this defense be with Rex Ryan? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. Because yeah. last week he said it'd be the number one defense with him running it. Yeah, yeah I, I roll know. my eyes to that as well. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like... Honestly, right now, by watching the team, it doesn't feel like we have the pieces to be the number one defense. Yeah. We could be a better defense than we are right now, but number one, I don't think we're coming for that spot. 
for a little while. That's that, I want to comment after you earlier when you were talking about the personnel fit and, and turning over the defense. Like you don't you didn't you haven't had picks, mm-hmm. so it's pretty tough to do it when you haven't had picks and you keep changing coaching staffs. Yep. Right. You, a lot right. of coaches, the way they do things, like the way Coobs builds an offense, mm-hmm. he needs to get his type of offensive lineman in there, right? They're usually like smaller, more agile to run that kind of like zone scheme he likes. And sometimes it would take him like two years to be like, no, nah, I need to get my group together. It, when you keep turning coaching staffs and yeah. you don't have any picks, like a coordinator has to work with what he has when he comes in. Now, yeah. I do really, really like Todd's point, and I'll be honest about it, like trying to blend everything together, maybe not. Yeah, the best idea because I could also see that why VJ thought that though. Uh-huh. Like they had success. It sounds great, but I got to do mine. Yeah. Like I get it. Like, but yeah, I mean that could have been one of the major, you know, in terms of major aspects of it. Like, I, I just think pieces matter and depth matters specifically mm-hmm. on defense because you got to play different personnel groups, dime, nickel, everything. Like, they're not deep, right? And, what, and that hurts. And wasn't that supposed to be one of the major advantages of bringing Sean Payton in is finally stability in this building. And now just three weeks in, you have so many people saying, tank, 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 you're 0-3. You're the worst team in the NFL. Uh, you're one of four winless teams in the NFL. But if you tank, you are turning every everything over again outside of the offensive play caller, the head coach, because people want George Payton fired. Mm-hmm. People want Vance Joseph fired. And any stability you thought you had outside of the offensive side of the ball, it's gone. It's completely gone. Now, the hope would be that then Sean would bring his own guy in, at general manager, bring another defensive coordinator in after the season, and then you have stability there. But that was supposed to be what just happened this year. Mm-hmm. But that was supposed to be the thing with Sean Payton. With Nathaniel Hackett, yeah, you hoped he was going to be here for a while. But he was this inexperienced guy. Maybe it wasn't going to work out. With Sean, there's supposed to be no question about that. Real quick, Sean ran through defense coordinators in New Orleans. Mm. Like, that did That's happen point. pretty regularly. After Dennis Allen left. Yeah. Like, he ran through Spags. He, ran, he, he mowed through some DCs. Like, mm-hmm. that did happen. I mean, I'm not. I, listen, I'm just saying. Like no, you're talking about stability, I, that, that's and like a great point. That's just that has been the past. That has happened there. Um, so, I mean, it could. I mean, yeah, he could always be looking for his guy. I mean, he has Car Blanche in that belt in that building, yep. right? Yeah, Very 100%. few head coaches around this league have probably the say in the entire building that Sean has. Yeah, I'm gonna say Belichick, without a doubt. Uh, Andy, Andy Reid. Yep. Um, I was going to say Kyle, but he's got a really good partnership right. with John Lynch. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, he can bring in his own GM if he wanted yeah, to. Yeah, I think 100%. they'd almost let him if, if things get that bad. But oh, you're talking about tanking after three games? A lot of people are. Yeah. A lot of people are. You think it's crazy? Yes. Yes. Like, you... Like... We were gonna. I, I told you I wanted to talk about this. That saying like, when are we benching Russ? Is like the national narrative. And yeah. I was on NFL Network talking about it today, being like, how is that? That's just a lazy narrative, in my opinion. Yeah. Like just saying, when are they moving on from Russ? Like, have you yeah. watched all three games? I don't think you're moving on from Russ. Has he been perfect? No. Has there been mistakes? Yes. Has there been mistakes that fall on uh, several other people and on him, honestly, with some turnovers and stuff? But you're three games into it, learning a new offense. Yep. Yeah. And you're going to say, like, let's move on? I just feel like... There's just too much 
consistent, Todd, like success between your play caller and your offensive leader and your quarterback in this league, both of them, yep. to just give up after three games? It doesn't even make sense to me, honestly. I just feel like the reason why a lot of people are saying tank now is because if you look through the schedule, it would be easy to do. Besides <laughs> the Jets and the Bears, like Chiefs, Bills, Vikings, uh, Chargers, Raiders, like you, we don't know how many games we're going to win anyway. So if we just went the route of tanking, like it's only really like giving up maybe two games two more games throughout the season. And I don't know if we tank for a quarterback, but maybe we tank for just mm. a high pick. I don't know if we need to, you know, get rid of Russ, but we also need pieces. So tanking will put us towards the top of that draft picking to where we could get another really good piece. And that's maybe the most interesting part about this conversation when it comes to tanking and the Broncos this year, next year, the year after is Russ is not the issue with this team right now. All right. Yep. But there is Caleb Williams, Drake May in this coming draft class. Obviously, Caleb Williams, like uh, maybe one of the best prospects a quarterback ever, and it still is a prospect. You still don't know if he's going to turn into Patrick Mahomes. I think those comps are pretty wild. But then Drake May, too, is also a guy who's viewed as like an incredible prospect. But if you get one of those guys, you're obviously moving on from Russ. And if Russ plays to a level that you could trade him and get good capital back for him, then you're not going three and 14 this year. You're not going to do that. And uh, you're probably not moving on from Russ. But if you move on from Russ, you are killing yourself cap wise, whether it's a trade, mm -hmm. whether it's a cut, not just for next year, but for the next two years. Mm -hmm. So then you're in a sticky situation where uh, you have a young quarterback that has not much talent around him already. And then plus you're going to have to trim down the roster in order to cut Russ and move on from Russ. So you're making this team even worse than it is now. And you're bringing a rookie quarterback in. What, uh, I mean, that is a recipe to be the Chicago Bears and what they've been. Who's going to trade for Russ? <laughs> Probably no one. Probably no one. Yeah, that, that's the, with the contract. That's why you're cutting him. The that's Bears, likely yeah. you're What's cutting him. What's going on? Yeah. Nobody, and nobody financially can pick up that money right now. Yeah. But you could take it on the chin and eat all of the cap in one year. It wouldn't affect you in two years. You could take the largest cap hit in the history of the NFL. 80 mm. million, right? I think it'd be 45. 45? 45 total, I believe. If it's a post for June 1st cut. But then wouldn't that Oh no, I'm sorry, not a post for June. No, yeah, I think you could do 45 this year. I haven't looked this up recently, but I'm pretty sure it's 45. The record was 40 with Matt Ryan yeah. in mm. Atlanta. And damn, did Arthur Smith do a really good job still winning games somehow <laughs> yes. with like a half a roster. Doing um, a good job that now, next too. year. Yeah, Art's a pretty good coach. Um, so it would be the largest cap hit in the history of the league if you took it all in one year. Yeah. Which maybe you do with a rookie if you draft a rookie quarterback at the top. But like you guys are saying that the Broncos are in the the likes of like the Bears, the Cardinals, who oh, by the way beat the Cowboys, uh, who aren't apparently tanking for Jonathan Gannon by any means, even though they mm -hmm. don't have any talent. Um You'd have to be in the top two picks to get one of these quarterbacks. 100%. You have to be that bad. But, James, the Broncos okay. are one of four winless teams right oh. now. It doesn't mean that they're one of the four worst teams in the NFL, but you look at their losses. Dolphins, that's outside of losing by 50. That's a fine team to lose to because the Dolphins are really good. Yeah. The Raiders, they're only wins against the Broncos yeah. right now. Uh, Raiders and look then bad. the Commanders, they're. 
They have two wins. One of them was against the Cardinals. Maybe the Cardinals are a little better than we thought. But after they went out and put 35 on the Broncos, Sam Howell went out and put up three points. In fact, he had more interceptions, four, than points scored for the Commanders. Three. So that's what I was talking about when I was talking about the game. He wanted to throw picks, but we just couldn't get <laughs> yeah, our hands on them. But true. he was ready. He's a young <laughs> he quarterback. Was, he was. He was yeah. trying. And he just skipped over us he, with them. He was trying. And then, so if you look at those games that the Broncos have lost, you go through the schedule, Todd, and you pointed these next two games, probably the most winnable games on the Broncos' schedule. And with that Jets defense, that is not a gimme. Um, really, the Bears should be a gimme. But I I'm agree curious, with I'm, you, James. What well, I'm curious about this, though, Zach, with your tanking scenario. Todd's been in locker rooms. Yep. You came in to change the culture of this organization, and you were going to bring in a winning culture mm-hmm. with Sean Payton, and yep. you're paying him an obscene amount of money to change not just the locker room but the entire building. Yep. And then you're going to go out there and encourage <laughs> losing in the very first year that he's trying to change that culture. Todd, is that possible heading into the second offseason. Oh, guys, by the way, I know everything I told you in my first offseason with yeah. you is how I'm going to change this, and we're going to do this and this, and I've, I've, I've changed the entire building. Yeah. I'm going to do that again in another way after I tanked this entire season. Yeah, I, it's, no. un, it's not believable. It's going to be it's gonna be a bad look, especially for his first year. But I can say he could do it without announcing that he's going to do it. You know, <laughs> he could just how, make some questionable that? calls, you know, say put Russ in some bad positions and, uh, you know, just kind of let things happen without putting a lot into winning. You know what I'm saying? Let the defense kind of fall apart as they may um, kind of keep your message the same. Maybe help the offense, but let the defense continue to fall further mm. down so that now the offense is putting up. 30 points, but we're still losing 30 to 35. Mm, like, <laughs> not saying he should do it, but I'm saying there's man. a way he could do it without saying he's doing it. And then another way to do it, but he would be admitting to an extent that he's doing it, is you start trading players. But the other part is it goes entirely against Sean Payton's DNA. 100%. To tank and to be viewed as a loser. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That irks him beyond belief when people are out there thinking he's failing yep so i just don't think that matches with the way he is made up I by com- any means i completely yeah, agree, I agree with you james he started i mean o- more so than most head coaches yeah yeah, yeah. It, sean payton has started 0 three three times this is not a, a foreign situation to him all three of those seasons he's finished seven and nine and that's the worst he's ever been as a head coach is seven and nine for that to be your worst mark is is pretty damn good over yeah. a fifteen year span. So you're hundred. It's, it's it's not in his DNA, James, and no. and that's why I find it very hard to believe that that's actually what would happen. No, I don't think so. And I think the Broncos aren't there yet. But let's talk about when they would be there. After I tell you about our friends over at Breckenridge Distillery, yeah. official bre- or, or uh, whiskey of the Denver Broncos, and. Of us, so check them out over at BreckenridgeDistillery.com and participate in the Battle of the Bourbons, where you can vote on either Alfred Williams blend or Ed McCaffrey's blend. Maybe the Broncos need some help. You should pull for Alfred Williams in that defense 
to get the job done with this and maybe that'll help their defense out we also have a lot of shooters right here man we've got it all on set so check wow. out our friends over at breckenridge brewery they're giving away a ticket to the broncos chargers game on new year's eve if you post hashtag broncos bourbon on instagram or facebook they're going to narrow those winners down on december 1st so you've got time but do it now go to breckenridgedistillery.com bourbon of denver broncos to get in on all of this and find breckenridge distillery in all 50 states and shout out to our friends over at backus and shanker when you get hurt Backers and Shanker is here to help. Backers and Shanker wins for Colorado families, helping those who have been seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. And the great thing about them is that they're free until they win money for your case. There's no upfront fee to speak with them about your case. No fee while they work on your case. No fee unless they win your case. And mm -hmm. they've been winning a lot, which is what they've done for over 25 years. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients. And they have a lot of locations around Colorado serving offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Backers and Shanker is here to help. Check them out. Dial 222 2222 to set up a consultation. So, James, you are so against tanking. Mm -hmm. And I totally understand why. I, I completely get it from a Broncos perspective, from an outsider's perspective, from a Sean Payton perspective. But at what point would you be like, they have they have to? Now, there is an instance. Tanking is like a bad word, I think, of the NFL. It's yep. pretty difficult to do, in all honesty. Um, but there is a time, like, we're looking at it probably with, like, the Vikings, you know, being 0-3. Really? I wouldn't think, like, here's a great example, all right? Vikings haven't won a game yet. Broncos yep. haven't won a game yet, yep. right? Let's look at the two organizations. Both have quarterbacks uh, with massive salaries. Um, and everybody's going, well, maybe they'll trade Kirk Cousins to the Jets, yep. you know? Well, but you went and got Cam Akers. You put, you know, you added right. Dalton Reisner to your offensive line. I don't know. It doesn't seem like they're trying to tank. That's my point. Right. But there is a time period, and I'm using Minnesota as an example to get back to the Broncos, yeah. to when the trade died line is closer. And that's when you start evaluating your team, going like, could we move on from player X to build some draft capital that we've been lacking over the last couple years and turn it into three players, turn it into four guys, add depth and players? You don't really start looking at this until you get closer to the trade deadline. If you're a team in a position like, say, Minnesota or Denver, my point is Minnesota won a lot of games last year. Mm -hmm. Denver didn't. But my point is nobody was really looking at it from that perspective yet. Yep. Then you start looking at it going, where can I get some, some capital from some of these players? My interesting point would be, who would that be from the Broncos? Mm. Like, who is desired for enough capital that you'd be like, yep, let's do that. Give me a list. Justin Simmons. Yep. That's but, my, that's the top, top guy for me. That's, yeah, that's number, number one. one. And then, uh, um, in terms yeah. of top value, yeah, you're, you're yeah, no, uh, who's uh, going to give you value uh, in terms uh, of picks? A hundred percent in terms of value. No. Um, I think if the next few weeks continue to go the way it is, maybe Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, they emerge back on the trade deadline, but the first round pick that you wanted for Jerry, Judy, that's not there. That's mm -hmm. uh third or fourth. Yeah. Cortland and they Sutton. were looking to move one of those guys. Yes. I know everything keeps going back and forth, but like, well, everybody was calling about Jerry Judy because everybody wanted him. No, they were like completely open to listening to those guys. Yeah. They wanted Alan Lazard here. Yeah. Uh -huh. The Jets just matched their offer for Alan Lazard, and Alan, obviously, with his connections to Aaron, went right. to the Jets. Right. They were actively trying to get him in free agency. Yep. So they were trying to revamp they this offense. Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen. Yeah. They were trying to revamp this, you know, this wide receiver room. I don't know right now what the value you would get. Yeah, for the for anybody outside of Justin. Mm -hmm. What are we talking for position? Justin? Can you get a one or is it a two? 
Probably a two. I don't think you don't you don't you can't get a one for Justin. Smith. And, and it's tough because he's played yeah. to be able to get a one for him, but right. I think the name is what's holding him back and the recognition for the Broncos not winning is actually what's holding him back from being able to get a one. hundred percent. And, and then trade I, Pat. Be crazy. <laughs> that would be crazy. It would be crazy. I mean, if you're looking for capital, that's the only spot where you can legitimately get a one. To to me or more. Hit two ones, you think you could get for Pat? Yeah, then no. There's only one position no. you can get two ones for. You're not doing what? Well, mm -hmm. I mean, you find you find the right team. The Jets giving up two two ones for. Uh, uh, they already gave the up their picks pick. to get Aaron. No, no, no. I'm sorry. The Seahawks when they traded with the oh. Jets to get Jamal Adams. Um, so maybe you can get. De but but my thing with that is, I think the if, league learned from that trade. I think the league learned, but <laughs> also, uh, only a good team is going to do that. Yeah. And so you're gonna get pick 28 next year and 30 the following year. Your success rate is like 50-50 on first-round picks, so you're going to get one starter out of that, and what's the odds that that turns into Pat Sertan? Mm -hmm. No, it's not going to happen. So if a really bad team wants to trade me a first-round pick for Pat Sertan, okay, then you think about it. But otherwise, no. So you're right. Justin Simmons uh, is your really only guy that you're going to get something for. Mm -hmm. um, and so how much... Uh, people usually want somebody that has a future, right, Todd? Like, exactly. And they're not tied into like a massive contract. Yeah, it's always kind of hard sometimes. So like younger got like, there's not a lot of players there that you could probably flip. What about Javante? Just speaking of younger players that are on a, it's just I think Javante depends on this year. He's young and talented coming back from an injury. Until he has another like mm -hmm. really good year, I think he's going to be hard to just trade. Big time. I agree. I, I totally agree with you. And so that's why another reason that it's not just easy to just tank. And, and call it in. You could really get rid of one big piece. You could trade Kareem Jackson for a conditional seventh round pick uh, if a team needed a safety spot to open up. You can, do, But you're not getting anything of value. Mm -hmm. And so when this happens, I agree with you, James. You, you see this happen with teams right around the trade deadline. Okay, the, mm -hmm. the season's officially gone when you're one and seven, two and six at the trade deadline. However, I think it's a little bit different with the Broncos this year. I think it could be microwaved with a loss this week because if you lose to the bears which you've made a really good point of you should not lose to no. the bears this mm -hmm. week but if you do that is i think even more of an eye-opener than losing 70 to 20 to the dolphins because i totally agree because the bears are the worst team in the nfl and if you lose to them then it's like oh my gosh we're not gonna beat the jets at home and if we do we're certainly not beating the Chiefs on the road the next week on a short week. We're not beating the Packers at home. We're not beating the Chiefs uh, at home the following week. And then it's the bye, which is the trade deadline. You could win the bye week. You, you can win the <laughs> you bye beat the week. Bye. You could beat the bye. No, I, you can't lose the, to the Bears. Right. Like, no. And I do think that is way worse. And I think jobs will be lost if they lose to the Bears. I mean, I, I genuinely yeah. believe that. Yeah. The 70 is 70. That's embarrassing any way you slice it but that's like the front runner for the mvp maybe the most innovative offense the most complete fastest offense fastest. we've seen in some time um and mike mcdaniel deserves his due for what he's built and chris Greer, what they built in terms of a roster but like the bears were so bad on sunday that it was the game that taylor swift was at <laughs> and they wouldn't stop showing her the entire game and they cut out of that game in most markets in America, <laughs> like three-fourths of the way through that's it. That's wild. Like, that's how bad the Bears were. Like, yeah. they were like, the league was like, no, what's the other 4 o'clock game? Yeah. I'm using East Coast time. The other 4 o'clock game we should go to because this is so bad with the Bears.
You can't lose to that team. No, but you, you can't. I don't know. I feel like 70 is rock bottom. I, I've <laughs> never been in a game where a team has scored. What's the no- most number, as a defense player, the most number of points a team has ever scored against a defense that you were a part of? Uh, I was on the sideline, but I think 50. <laughs> yeah. I didn't play. Your so Eagles. That would have been like probably, what, 42 if you played. <laughs> you're, worthy. you're worth more than a touchdown <laughs> yeah. yeah but i mean that's just a terrible outing i don't think any loss is worse than that like literally you're being ridiculed across the nation everybody's talking about it you talk about rex ryan having a lot to say about it you're the laughing stock of the league right now so losing to quote unquote the worst team in the league so what? We've all, we've already been laughed at all day. Like, I don't feel like there's anything worse than this. I do think that 70 would be more embarrassing nationally because it would get more headlines. If the Bears win, I don't think it's the top two stories on ESPN like putting 70 was. No, I do think it is after you put after you gave up 70. Oh, yeah. The combination of the two puts you in and a just, really, just, really just think about this. Week one, you lose to the Raiders, extend your losing streak to seven games to them. Internally, that's a a really bad story. Nationally, not really. Week two, you blow an 18-point lead to the Commanders, who, other than that, can't put up points this season. Week three, you give up 70. Week four, you lose to the Bears. You couldn't have designed a worse start to the season for the Broncos. So that's why I say next week, if they lose next week, then uh, I'm not pounding the table for tanking right now. I will be then, because you literally have proved that you are that bad. Let's not say tanking. Let's just say rebuild. I think that's, okay. that's, that's a better word and better phrase, and I think more along the path of what they will do. Although rebuild was a word that John Elway would never say. He thought that was just the, the dirtiest word in the world. Oh, well, <laughs> we're not John, so I'm going to say true. rebuild. Well, so when do you get to that point, Todd? Um, Yeah, I think close to the trade deadline. But we don't have much to trade for, so I think we have to start looking at options now. We have to start looking at ways to rebuild this team and make it better for next year. I don't know if it's pulling any triggers right now, but we have to start thinking about rebuilding now because if we wait until the trade deadline and, well, we just trade Justin and, you know, get a second-round pick, I think that's all we'll, all we'll have happen. Yeah. Sorry, I was just reading the comments for a while there. <laughs> yeah. I was going through. There's some roasts on Justin Fields in there too. What, what stands out to me the most, really – is what happened last year in the Christmas game and what Greg Penner came out and said after that game where it was like, we are never going to allow our fan base to be embarrassed like this again. It was like a mission statement moving forward on why they were looking at the coaches that they were looking at. And they just went out and did it last week. Like they just went out and did the exact same thing, probably worse in all honesty. That's the shocking thing to me, that it's not just like, hey, we're trying to change the culture. We're trying to do these things. We heard a lot of positivity throughout the offseason. Obviously, you bring in a coach with a lot of, you know, pelts on the wall, 100%. Um, You pay him a lot to change the culture. We were told the culture's changed, and you're only three games in, and what you just listed and how the three games have gone. That's, to me, the worrisome aspect of it. Mm. Like, I mentioned that the Bears building kills quarterbacks. Like, I'm worried about this Broncos building. Like, it doesn't matter who you put in there. Yeah. That's that's a scary thought with a franchise that is historically has the, you know, the success that this building has had. If Russell Wilson can't save the team, then it's got to be a coach, right? And it's got to be Sean Payton. And if Sean Payton can't save this team, I'm out of, I'm out of ideas. I, I don't know what it would be. I don't know. That's the thing. That's yeah. why. That's why I think – that's why I was reading the comments. Everybody's like – 
you know, like, oh, tanking, like, trade them all. Like, that's like what they're right. You know what I mean? Right? You're going through the comments. Like, you see, like, yeah. <laughs> um, James, it's I, depressing. That's it, why I it was is, reading it. It is depressing. And it's depressing because there's not an easy answer. Mm -hmm. Like, Three years ago, it was, well, the Broncos just need a quarterback. Yep. And I got mm -hmm. the quarterback that was, okay, maybe it's just a head coach. Uh, nope. And that's why it's depressing is because there's, I mean, we have offensive line horrible, defensive line horrible. Caleb Williams gets sacked behind this offensive line. There's no easy answer to point to. Yeah. It's not like bringing in one Todd Davis at inside linebacker is going to fix everything either. It so, fix a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it would. I mean, at least 10 points, right? Is that what yeah. we found out? Yeah. 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 At least 10 points. Um, and... Uh, James, one of the things that I, I love doing when we have you on is taking you around the league, get, giving us some scoops around the league. Okay. And I uh, want to talk about the biggest storyline in the NFL outside of the 70 points. After I tell you about our friends over at Game oh, Time, you want to see geez. the biggest storyline in the NFL this week. Is it Broncos Bears? Is this the Caleb Williams Bowl this week? Potentially. <laughs> you want to go to Chicago? Make sure that you join our tailgate. We're going to be out there in Chicago for this game. So join our tailgate, then jump over to Game Time. Use that code DNVR to get $20 off your ticket. Tickets might be $20 for that game right now. So you could get free entry Ouch. to Soldier Field potentially by using that code DNVR over a Game Time. It is a good stadium. It's terrible to work in. Uh, <laughs> like as though, a. Right? Oh, the view's great. I think we talked about it before, yeah. right? I love yeah. the view out of Soldier Field. Todd, you like playing at Soldier Field? And what month was it? Um, I always got there early. That's nice. And throughout my whole career, I never played a game like in December, yeah. November. It was my, always like early October. <laughs> yeah. But it was always still cold. Like it was never like a warm day. No. Um, but I got lucky. Yeah. Definitely got lucky <laughs> for sure. And the Broncos are getting lucky this week. So it's going to be nice weather. Use that code DNVR over at game time. And check out our friends over at Shady Rays using code DNVR for 50% off two or more polarizing shades. Shady Rays. Uh, with Shady Rays, you can take on the sun with gear that's built to last. Our friends over at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead and the cold weather with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays does it all. They offer the most insane protection in eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning if you lose or break them, even on the day you buy them, they will send you a new pair, no questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence. They have you They have you covered. They have over 500,000 Five-star reviews. Go out and check out our friends at ShadyRays.com, where you can use code DMVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. From the game itself, James, how bad was the Chiefs-Bears game on the field? Oh, it was abysmal. Yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, it was a Taylor Swift drinking game. Mm -hmm. You probably housed at the end of it if they, every time they showed her. You took a shot of Breckenridge bourbon. <laughs> mm -hmm. But... um. What stands out to me most in Kansas City right now is talking to people there, this is the best defense Mahomes has ever had. Ever. And Spags usually gets the defense playing better as the year goes on. They usually like to hit their stride like mid-November, and it doesn't really matter because Pat's putting up so many points with Andy that it, who cares if it's a slow start. I thought it was like two, three years ago. I was doing a game in Washington. Tyron Matthew was the safety. He lost his marbles half, like in the half, threw his helmet clear across the entire field. Wow. And they were giving up more points per play than any team in the history of the league, like wow. through five weeks. By the way, let's talk about this tanking situation. That was through five weeks. It was the worst defense we've ever seen. Broncos they go are in, probably competing with that right well, now. They go in, uh, they go, yeah, that game probably skewed it. <laughs> but they go on and go to the Super Bowl again yeah. anyways. But this defense is the best that they've ever had in Mahomes. I think that's what makes it scary because he's going to catch his stride with these new pieces around him. I mean, they're young, right? And Rasheed Rice and, and Sky Moore in his second year. And, like, he still has, you know, Kelsey. 
having a defense that's as good as this group right now, um, I think it makes the Chiefs scarier than they've been in seasons past. That, to me, is kind of bonkers. And Spags deserves a lot of credit, by the way. Like, he doesn't really get a lot because of Mahomes, Kelsey, Andy Reid. Like, yeah. he's a great defensive mind. And uh, he's got a really good group right now. Well, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. fact, though. I mean, yeah. they got a young secondary that's yeah. got talent. Here's what they've done. You want to know how they did it? Like, they pick. They have a lot of picks. Right. They flip Tyreek for a lot of picks. Yeah. And they hit on late round picks. Like, Brett Veach hits on guys in the fourth, fix, sixth, seventh round. Like, they hit on late guys. Yeah. Yeah. Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh round pick. Yeah. They're running all over the Eagles defense in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they draft well. Yeah. And then they pick their spots in free agency. Yeah. That's what they do. And so the Chiefs are so good, they just destroyed the Bears. Just embarrassing. I mean, it was never a game. Uh, yet the numbers just came out. That was the most watched game in the NFL this week. Why do you think? T. Swift. Taylor Swift. Dude, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey has 300,000 more Instagram followers since that game. Great and his jersey move. sales are up 400%. Talk about good business moves. The Swifties spend, So man. the question is, is this a fake relationship? That's been floating around a lot recently. My thought, Todd, is you don't introduce your girl to your mom that quickly. <laughs> right? Like yeah. a week into the relationship, you got like, hey, this is mom. Unless she's Taylor Swift. Unless she's Taylor Swift. <laughs> and your mom's like, I, I, I bring Taylor to the game. Exactly, exactly. I think it's a good, I don't know if it's a business move, but I mean, hats off this to him. Could. He definitely won a lot more than she did <laughs> yes. in the relationship. Big time. All my boys from Philly are like, this is a secret, it's a trap by Taylor. Mm. This is to take down the Chiefs. She's uh, a black widow when it comes to relationships. Mm. She's going to write some songs about them yep. after they break up. Mm-hmm. She's a diehard Eagles fan, by the way, from wow. Philly. Really? And so... All my boys back home are like, she is infiltrating the Chiefs organization Dang. to take it down. Man, since the I'll, Super Bowl, she's been plotting. Yeah, she's been plotting since the Super Bowl <laughs> And Kelsey's like, well, at least I'm going to get a lot of money from exactly. this. So a lot more publicity, a lot more Instagram followers. Hey. Um, but that's that's what I wanted to think going into this week. But now it just seems like everyone loves the Chiefs even more. Like all the Taylor Swift fans that weren't NFL fans, yep. probably a lot. Now they're probably all Chiefs fans now. Yeah. Chiefs mm-hmm. Kingdom? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's Chiefs Kingdom. It's growing a lot it. right now. That's Sucks. what they call it. What, what, what's in it for her? Just having the Chiefs Travis tank? is a cool dude. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, if this is if this is a fake relationship, <laughs> oh. what's in it for her? Not like that. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully a rematch of the Super Bowl and her Eagles come out on top. That, I guess. Uh, it'd be all worth it then if that's what happens. <laughs> She's getting herself connected to the most popular sport in America yeah. by a long shot. Yeah, she really is. She really is. She seemed into it, man. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, and I've never seen so many people in a suite in my life. There was like yeah, no was room packed. even oh moving. Gosh, in that, that that was crazy. The person next to Taylor Swift looked like Dennis Rodman. I don't think it was Rodman. Uh, I don't think so either. Oh. Wouldn't that be wild though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't put Trav put it past Trav to have no, like Rodman no, in there or something. No. Um, any other big storylines this week that we need to know about? The things that jump out at me from talking to people around the league are Deshaun Watson's play in Cleveland. That's the best we've seen him play for the Browns. Is mm-hmm. that that's the most closest they've seen him play to his time in Houston, and that was their first game without Nick Chubb, which is a good sign. That defense is just filthy. Yeah. So Deshaun uh, played oh. well because I saw Monday Night Football last week, and Deshaun was awful. He I didn't was. get to watch this. Past he played week. great. Okay. What they wanted him to do is stop trying to play hero ball and like go and like let's why don't you search for some completions, man? And he did that. 
Um, he likes playing from the gun. He doesn't like playing under center. He likes to see everything. I think playing from the gun tide allows defenses to probably have to like account for him to take off mm -hmm. and run. So there's another added element to the offense that I, I think Kevin Stavansky likes when he's in the gun. He still went out and made plays for him, didn't make negative plays. They were excited about that. So, And, and I think their defense is unbelievable. Like My favorite move of the offseason was Jim Schwartz becoming the defense coordinator of the Browns and putting in with Miles Garrett. Like mm -hmm. That game had a play that I've never seen before. Can we talk about it? Yeah, tell me. I, I haven't oh seen it. Oh, my God. This is not Miles Garrett's stat sheet uh -huh. where he had three and a half sacks. <laughs> but And he was unstoppable. He lines up on the left side of the defensive line, Todd. Two tight ends go up next to the tackle. Traveling. He runs back the other side. Both tight ends go back against the left tackle <laughs> to match him. So he runs back to the right no side. Way. They run again. He runs back to the left one yeah. more time. Delay a game. Because wow. they never set. The Titans never set because they kept trying to match whatever side Miles Garrett was going to. I've never I was texting with a couple of people in the front office of the Browns. And I was like, have you ever seen no. a play like that? They're like, no. never. Like we were laughing like hysterically. Like that's how much they wanted to make sure yeah. Miles didn't wreck the game. Yeah. And it like they literally couldn't line up because they couldn't figure out what he was gonna do. I love that from both sides though. I love the Titans say, We're not letting this guy beat us now. Obviously, Miles is like do running it, like, back and yeah, forth on the line. I love so that, great. just taking advantage of it. Oh, yeah, that's cool. God. It reminds me of when like Andre Johnson used to just get double team, like yeah. he would take a corner on a safety. Like, don't you guys worry about any other <laughs> run game that you double team him? Like they weren't worried about Kevin Walter on the other side? Uh, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, Miles Garrett, he's a uh, he's a force. He's it, unbelievable. He's been doing. There's this thing that's happened. I don't, did we talk about this? Like guys lining up over the center. No. Yeah. All right. So that's no. been the no, that's been no, the no, no, major but. discussion around the league. Um, is there's these really really freak athletes, right? Todd as pass yeah. rushers that are lining up over the center. Because the center is hate to say it, it's it's a power position. Yeah. You're going to be able to cross that guy up. It's almost like you're coming at him. Jadavian Clown used to tell me this back in the day. Romeo Cornell used to stand him up back in 2018 after his microfracture surgery because Clowney couldn't get the bend he used to get after the surgery mm, yeah. on their own field, their own demise, their own number one pick. Wow. So we started standing him up, right, Todd? And you can walk from like a linebacker spot yep. and you can attack the, the A or the B gap however you'd like. And you can cross him up. Miles Garrett's Miles did it. He walked up. He was like, yeah, like basketball crossing <laughs> up. Micah Parsons has been doing it. Yeah, um, it's been really cool. I'm curious from like a defensive perspective, like how cool that would be to be a linebacker with your star pass rusher standing right next to you, essentially, and walking <laughs> to the line of scrimmage. I think it's cool. Even cooler if I'm on a blitz too. So he, can, <laughs> he can take I'm him like run through three. He's going exactly, exactly. I think that's that's a great game plan. Like you said, the center is usually like. The least best offensive lineman in pass protection. In an athletic ability. Like exactly. You, you don't play in space. No. Yeah. No. So I think having him one-on-one -on -one against some of the most dominant pass rushers in the league, man, we need to do that. Yes. Yeah. Who would get you Randy, put Randy Gregory. Randy there. Gregory on the inside. Man. Yeah. Talk about just a physical specimen. You know you, you could do that with. coming at your center. You could do that with Drew Sanders. Couldn't you bring him straight down? Mm-hmm. The gap. You can. He's athletic. Yeah. Tom might want to keep him on the bench for a little bit. I like Drew. I think he's a young player. I, I just don't know if he's ready. I don't know if he's ready. And then this last doing game. five, four snaps again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that's like what he does. Yeah. And also, I'm not saying he's these guys. Because you saw Max Crosby try to do this mm -hmm. last week. It just didn't work. Yeah. Like, he tried to go over the center. It just was well, I think you need to be a rare athlete to be able to go and do this. Micah's play that caused the interception against the Jets was that. Like, he just came around. He just literally just like 
jumped and like pushed the center out of the way and was there in like yeah, a half a second. Insane. It's nuts. That's one of the cool things that's being discussed around the league is that these guys are um, like, if you have one of those, you got to find different spots to move them. It's no longer like back in the day where like my edge guy rushes from this side every time and every right. time right. that happens right. it's, right. it's just not happening in the league anymore it gives freedom to the pass rushers it gives freedom to the defensive coordinators mm -hmm. and you mentioned the jets i want to touch on this before we get out of here james you broke the news as you kind of mentioned in the first segment is todd davis's former teammate gonna be the starting quarterback of the jets in two weeks when the broncos play him you could trevor <laughs> trevor is just landed Landed in New, New York. York. How about that? He's landed in New York. He's got a spot on the practice squad, um, which they the Bengals are trying to get him last week with the issues with Joe Burrow and not really knowing how he was going to – and Trev actually turned it down. And then now I think he's like, let's see what happens. I mean, he was the starter for the Jets at one point. Yeah. Then it was like a like really bad ankle sprain, right, in like the opener or the first yeah. couple weeks, I think it was. Um but yeah, now he's he's with the Jets. I mean, he could take that job. I mean, possibly. I, I, I don't know. know. It's less than two weeks, so maybe that's not enough time. But you've seen quarterbacks do it in the past. But if I'm Robert Sala, if I'm Nathaniel Hackett, I 100% think that Trevor Simeon gives me a better chance to win in two weeks than I do Zach Wilson. And coming from the practice squad, those moves happen so quick. Um, two weeks is definitely enough time. When I came here from the, uh, from the Saints, I had to start my first game two weeks after being here. Oh. When I went to Minnesota from here, within two weeks, I have to start. So it's very, very possible that within two weeks, Trevor Simeon could be the starter. Well, be cool. I would rather face I think Zach Garrett Wilson, Wilson on the Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. Oh, that'd be oh. incredible. Nathaniel Hackett pairing up with Trevor Simeon to be, try to beat the Broncos in Denver. Wow. I don't think Trevor Simeon has. Uh, I think people like Trevor Simeon in uh -huh. Denver. Um, I can't say the same thing about I like Nathaniel Hackett. Fans do not like Nathaniel Hackett. The I mean, that would just be another storyline. And we lost a big storyline, obviously, with Aaron Rodgers here and the Broncos not being good and the Jets not being good. But that would add just a little more sizzle. It needs that game needs some sizzle. <laughs> yes, it <laughs> does. Games needs a little sizzle. Just think about this. Three weeks ago, we were saying, is there a chance that Broncos Jets will outflex the Cowboys 49ers game? Uh, there is negative percent chance that happens now no, no way the niners are so good yeah that's so good them and philly are the most talented yeah what is that week 13 to when they play yeah in philly yeah that's gonna and be wild I, what i am curious about like why is there this perception we're all over the map here but i, I this is all the stuff that i <laughs> talk to people around the league about there's like this perception where you just do not want to include brock purdy among the league's best quarterbacks mm -hmm. why because they just say Kyle Shanahan. But I agree with you. He should be. It makes every throw. Exactly. Makes every decision. The like, makes the, the right decision. Yeah. He has yet to lose a game yep. as an NFL player that he started and finished. That's nuts. Because he's not a first-round draft pick or a big name. Yeah, Do you think his stature plays a part in it? That's what I was talking to a GM about. No, I think you see Jalen Hurts and other quarterbacks around the league with a Jalen Hurts is a monster. Yeah, he's big, but he's not tall. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Brock looks like an eighth grader. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You're saying face? Oh, yeah, baby, baby face? face. I mean, he walks in with the khakis and whatnot, but yeah. like, if you talk to people on that team, they're like, he is a bad dude when it comes to when, when the game starts. Yep. He is an absolute mm. gamer. Like I, I remember talking to Juszczyk about it, and he was like, we didn't know anything about this dude. We had to give Trey Lance all these snaps. We're trying to get Trey like ready. He didn't take any snaps. The game started. It was like a switch, and wow. he was like a badass wow. and we were like whoa okay wow. and like he's a gamer dude but like that is one of those things where 
we all have this perception and it just sticks in mm -hmm. the league. Yeah. There's a perception of Russ in the league, no matter how well he plays in these first three games. It's not changing right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even though Brock has all this success right now, it's not changing like to give him any credit. Yeah. Well, and it's I think interesting. I think Todd hit it right on the head. First round picks that fail will get opportunity after opportunity. Oh, yeah. After opportunity after opportunity. Uh, yeah. And uh, seventh round picks or undrafted guys, or I mean, especially Mr. Irrelevant, they probably have to prove themselves 10 times out of 10 mm -hmm. in order to be taken seriously. And the first game he loses, they're going to be like, ah, I told you about this guy, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Exactly. I told you he wasn't the he one. They're going to yeah. be 12 and 1 it. and lose to the Eagles, and people will be out on him. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah. And the other major discussion is the tush push after last night. Like, yeah. you just saw the Eagles do it up and down the field mm -hmm. nonstop. On our show, we had Brian Baldinger on, friend of the yeah, family, friend right? Of the um, and Baldy and, and Steve and I were breaking it down. Like, and he's just like, I don't get why teams don't do it. Like, you can install this on Friday yeah. and run it on Sunday. It feels it's, illegal. Like, that feels like something you shouldn't be able to but do. But the point until is, it is until illegal, it is, illegal, why don't yeah. teams do yeah. it, Todd? Like, sure. give, this is, we're going down a rabbit hole, but I like it. <laughs> like, give me a, a third and one goal line situation as, it, as, as part of a front seven. Yep. What, what are you looking for? You, you're looking for QB sneak first yeah. and foremost, right? And then you're seeing what's happening in the backfield. If because you're in the middle of the field, if they run anything outside, it's not really on you. Anyways. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so what are you what are you keying on? Um, king on the king on the O line and definitely the quarterback third and one for sure. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, we're looking for a sneak. But um, the the good thing about that play or the thing why that play works, we can stop the initial push. Like that's what we can stop. But once they get behind them and start, and all those big bodies are pushing. We need the safeties. We need the corners. We need everybody to be up in the middle to even have a chance to get it, and it's not going to happen. And the, there's, there's the problem so with the room. play. Well, the problem with the play is what Todd's saying is the only way you can stop that, and this is what the league's saying, is if safeties or linebackers mm. go up and over the top, yeah. which is going to be real dangerous yeah. for everybody involved. Because the only way you can kind of stop it, right, Todd, is if your D line can get lower than their offensive line, yeah. which is just doesn't happen against the Eagles. Like Kelsey's so low. And that group solo, you can't get under them. So they already take you out. Yep. You kind of fall. The D line falls yep. with them. That's and then Hertz just kind of gets pushed up and over it. Yep. The only way you can stop it is by going over. What the league's looking at is when teams start doing that, it becomes a safety issue, yeah. and then you can maybe make a rule change. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, That's yeah. And on top of that, something that they also have is a guy that squats 600 pounds at the quarterback position. Yeah. So he's getting pushed behind him, but he's also having enough push for him. All right, mm -hmm. we got to wrap up, but we have to hit these Super Chats really quick. We got two. Come, one coming in from Greg. I says, thank you guys for being my only entertainment for part of five hours drive back from Miami. Could Russ help a lot by taking a pay cut? And why hasn't this been even mentioned yet? I'm not blaming him, but he can help the team. Give me a quarterback that's taking a pay cut. Um, I know one. <sighs> Tom Brady has. Tom Brady's the only one I can think of. Yeah. People have restructured. People move their money. Yeah. For sure. It was like everybody in Kansas City. We were talking about this before. Like, look at Pat. He signed his 10-year contract. <laughs> and he's not, you know, he doesn't chase money like everybody else. And he signs the biggest contract in the history yeah. of the yeah. NFL yeah. when he restructures this one. Quarterbacks are always going to get paid. Um, but I, I don't see, like, I don't see that happening. Honestly. So what people would say is Tom did it, one to win, but also he was married to Giselle. Who she was, was making more money than, than he was. Exactly. At that time. I bet Sierra's making. A I was just going to say that's, that's kind of what the counterpunch is. Well, so you got Sierra now. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if he wants to win, I think he's going to have to find a way to let the team have more capital to play with to bring in guys because otherwise he's going to be getting paid and they're not going to win. 
But sometimes I feel like in the NFL, it's kind of like a rule of thumb. Like you either win your ring and then go get paid or you get paid and then try to win a ring on the back end of your career. He's done both. Mm. So I don't know if he's really chasing another ring because he's already a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You know, I think you do that more when you don't have one. Right. Um, but I don't know. I think he re- should restructure, move that money around, give the team some more money to uh, play with. Yeah, interesting. And last one coming in from uh, uh, Nikhil says, uh, sorry, I didn't get to ask yesterday, but two questions. Is the Broncos defense really worse than the Cardinals talent-wise? And Randy Gregory looks not as explosive as last season. Are you seeing that? I'll go. I'll answer the first one. So I talked to some people in Arizona on Monday after their game, and... Jonathan Gannon is getting everything out of the talent he has. Yeah. Like, they are not a very talented team. I don't think they have a single all-pro mm-hmm. player on either side of the ball. Buddha? Buddha? Buddha, yeah. maybe? Yeah, Buddha, yeah. Who That's hasn't been playing? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, there you go. So, that I think that's really good coaching. Yeah. And to come out, I think, Todd, if you look at it, and actually the Broncos have been very good in the first halves offensively. Mm-hmm. Their teams have come out and been very – very good. They've gotten double-digit leads in their first two games, the Cardinals. Then they come out and obviously play this way against the Cowboys. Talking to people in Arizona, they're like, that's how prepared our team is. Mm-hmm. That's coaching during the week. When you come out that way, that's smarts, that's toughness, that's everything early. I don't think they've really learned how to win yet with your first-year head coach. and mm-hmm. You got Josh Dobbs playing quarterback. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think if you're looking at what you're getting out of your talent, I would say right now through three games, Jonathan Gannon's gotten more out of the talent he has than the Broncos have. Yep, 100%. And what a job by Jonathan Gannon, especially after getting laughed at all oh. offseason. Yeah, that was a terrible speech. I'm not it was lie. terrible. <laughs> I was like, there's no way he's going to connect with his players. But some way, somehow, somehow he found happening. a way. I mean, he probably knows the Cowboys pretty well, too. I mean, he scouted them, played them twice a year the last couple of years when yeah. he was in D.C. and Philly. So, But still. Kudos to him, man. They're Incredible. playing hard. Incredible. Yeah, yeah they I are. I mean, this was a laughable roster yeah. around the league. 100%. I mean, they, they were number one to, to get the first pick in the draft. I mean, everyone they, thought they the, were going to Their roster was the reason Caleb Williams was in GQ talking yeah. about how he may go back to school. That's how yeah. bad their roster was. Yeah. And now look at them. Yeah. They could they could have been 3-0. Yeah. Yeah. Ab- <laughs> absolutely. That's wild. And you guys, you brought the effort today from start to finish. I think we did have some effort. We, we didn't lose by 70. We didn't lose no. by 70. James, appreciate you being on. Todd, always love rolling with you. We're going to be back tomorrow, 11 a.m. to break down this must-win game for the Broncos or else. Nice. Thanks so much for rolling with us. We'll see you tomorrow. Flying